0: My name is Piers Bayliss and I'm here with uh, John Fordyce at the Borders of and in Huyk. Uh Good afternoon to you John, how are you doing? Good afternoon, nice to see you Piers. It's very good to see you too. Um, and I'm just going to go through a few questions that I have for you and for the listeners at home and we'll just crack on with them. So my first question for you is what made you want to do all of this? What made you want to get this Borders of Delivery off the ground? Mm-hmm.
1: It goes back probably quite a long way. I worked overseas for over 30 years, uh, j Coats, Coates and then William Grant's, and then on my own account, and I wanted to move back to Scotland. Um, if you've been away from a place for 30 years, you're lacking networks, you're lacking um, uh, an inn, if you like. So it became obvious that it was going to have to uh, do something uh, on my own account. mm mm-hmm. I was very lucky uh, in that three of my uh, former colleagues and friends uh, were all roughly in the same position, albeit coming from totally different directions. And we decided uh, that we had spotted an opportunity to build a distillery in Scotland.
0: Right, so it was, you had Scotland as a picture. And my follow up question to that is what made you think Scottish borders here's where we make our stand
1: right so uh, we worked out that there wasn't a lot of point in being the ninth distillery in Isla or the 70th distillery in Speyside and we identified that there were no distilleries in the Scottish borders correct yeah so we had an opportunity to become the first Scotch whisky distillery in the Scottish borders since the last one closed down in Kelso in 1837.
0: Yeah, I can see from my notes here, the first Scotch whisky distillery in the Scottish borders
1: since 1837. 1837. So, the last one closed down uh, was closed down by the High Court, and it, uh, it was located in Distillery Lane, which is still in uh, Kelso, but it's now got a co-op rather than a whisky distillery. We Once we'd identified that the Scottish Borders was the place, we then um, went about from town to town, trying to identify which place in the Scottish Borders would be right for our business. And we settled on Hoyk. And we settled on Hoyk for three reasons, really. Uh, The first was there was an availability of large, old, stone-built factories which answered the question, how do you enter an industry which markets itself on heritage if you're brand new? Well, you, you have the textile industry, you have the big buildings. <laughs> so the answer is you buy an old building. Yeah, <laughs> okay. brilliant. Um, and that gave us another opportunity to to enrich the project with a full restoration of a bit of Scotland's industrial heritage, which we think is a good consumer story the second reason we came here was you're only permitted to use barley yeast and water uh, in the manufacture of scotch whisky and the scottish Borders was perfect for barley uh, and Hoyk, of course is famous for its water so you had your ingredients so we had our ingredients so that's right one beside of the reasons us. And then the third reason was that Hoyk is a manufacturing town. And a whiskey distillery is, at its essence, a factory um, in the manufacturing sector. And the great thing about folk in Hoik is you don't need to teach them about manufacturing.
0: No. So the, so employment was so there. So there.
1: there's a cultural appreciation of manufacturing. There is no social stigma around shift work. People understand the basic concepts of turning up on time, health and safety, being safe, uh, acquiring skills. So all we had to do was uh, compete in the market for for people to come and work for us and then just teach them distilling, uh, and which is have, a huge, huge
0: advantage. How have the people of Hoyk adapted to this new uh, factory?
1: Well, as I said, the factory bit is not a problem you don't have that to they have the aptitude and and the, and the distilling and and then there's the aptitude for skilled work there's always been skilled work in hoyk so you've got people who uh, readily acquire skills who understand the basics of what you're trying to do even if they've never done distilling before uh, and that was a huge reason for coming here so
0: you had your location what gave you the final sort of confidence in your head that now's the time, location, uh, supply is nearby, good employment. But what was it that finally tipped it for you that made you think, let's go ahead, let's build a distillery in Hoik?
1: I think it was a process of looking for money. Oh, oh, is um, a good, is always a good thing to have. And uh, once we had identified from talking to financiers uh, that this was investable. We were then, we then just decided to commit, raise the money, build a distillery and create a business.
0: Right, so this was, so I think
1: that what you're saying
0: is that you basically got your ducks in a row once the math, presumably had maths working for you. You'd done that, you'd done your homework
1: yes and, and we're between the four of us we've over a hundred years of experience in the industry right so you so we knew roughly what to do so in terms um, of, of risk there was
0: obviously risk, but it was managed risk in that you had a lot of experience going into this
1: yes I mean I don't necessarily think that experience is, is, is all that it's necessarily cracked up to be um, it can it can slow you down a lot um, but If you're going to a market, capital markets, and you're able to demonstrate that you're not taking a punt, that you've actually sold in every, in every market in the world, that you understand the marketing, the economics, it builds up your credibility.
0: So for someone who says to themselves, I've got a great idea, I want to start a business, I don't have that experience needed to push things forward how can you, uh, in a way, almost compensate for that, perhaps through doing your research and presenting, that, presenting confidence that way?
1: Yes, and, and, and able to demonstrate track record and able to uh, be able to answer questions, um, which, you know, basic questions. Where's the biggest market? What are the gross contributions? What's the competition? I mean, these are... Everybody watches Dragon's Den, and it's quite extraordinary that people... Can't answer those questions. None of that's for the cameras, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so, the fact that we could, um, I think, uh, gave us a bit of credibility. And we had enough innovation uh, in the way we've configured the distillery, being the first in the borders, um, building to a scale um, which differentiated us sufficiently from all the other projects in the market. And what did you find in the early
0: stages? um you came from experience but what did you find that you thought would would work and maybe needed to be adjusted before it was really working as it should or as you intended in terms of
1: making the pitch or in terms of starting up the distillery in terms
0: of literally opening the doors of the factory is
1: day one if you had a day one that you can think of well we opened uh, during um the beast from the east <laughs> right and it was minus 9 inside the distillery and it was snowing inside the distillery right so I probably wouldn't try and do that again. No. Um, although Argos were delighted because we bought a lot of hair dryers to try and <laughs> un- unfreeze the valves. So you're stimulating um, the local economy. <laughs> <laughs> and we, had the fire, we had the fire brigade come around because we vented the boiler into clear air and it looked like the place was on fire. And uh, it, was, it was altogether quite exciting. So, you know, don't I mean, start when how it's do you, bad how weather. Do you, how do you adjust from that? <laughs> <laughs> Just, you know, a bit more patience next time, perhaps. But no, I, I would say that because we spent a long time in preparation, the execution of the architectural side, the building, the installation of the distillery um, and the starting up of the distillery went pretty much to plan, I have to say.
0: Right, so there was nothing really you felt, how about in terms of promotion or when you first started to sell, Were the suddenly thought, or even if if it's the, the management if you suddenly thought to yourself, day-to-day management needs to change slightly because of a condition that we just did not see.
1: Yeah, I think the biggest adjustments we've made as a company have been in our commercial stance. So we started selling, we were buyers and blenders and sellers of Scotch whisky before we opened the distillery. Yes, you had that background. We we were already testing the market Um, and I think we've had to make some rapid adjustments on the commercial side of the business um, since we opened because the market has changed quite aggressively mm-hmm. um, and there are some changes coming up in 61 days time which are going to provoke another I, set of uh, I said when changes I w- <laughs> when we were
0: going to do these podcasts we would avoid that, <laughs> that we, big, big so word so well, I haven't said the word inevitable um, uh,
1: but change is coming
0: we still haven't said the word no. so um, it's going to date these interviews okay. <laughs> but maybe not maybe it'll have an impact for years to come i think undoubtedly it will
1: Uh, yes it will i mean it's going to last a long time it's going to be quite wrenching but the other things have changed is that um emerging markets which is the really the source of growth for the scotch whiskey industry what were givens uh, the so-called bricks uh, are no longer givens Uh, other ones have have come up there has been a lot of alterations in um, in the international market on relative values because of rapid depreciations a thing like the rand or the the cruzado or so so what are you
0: watching are you watching most the rest of the industry to see what they're thinking and what they're maybe doing to try and protect their position or are you looking more on your own to go
1: out on your own we do we're obviously we're conscious of, of of the it's a highly competitive industry so you're Absolutely. you're you're very conscious of what what everybody else is doing, and we have an enormous range of businesses in the industry, from tiny through to Diageo, um, and we have uh, a very multinational ownership mix. So we have Thai owners, Filipino owners, American owners, Japanese owners, Scottish owners, English owners, French owners, Chilean owners. I mean, we have a big multinational fdi story here and that speaks really to the popularity worldwide of it speaks scotch to the global appeal of scotch whiskey yeah um, absolutely uh, so i think where yeah. i would describe as a steady state in the sense of manufacturing um and the operation side of the business and i would say on the commercial side we're continuously uh, adapting uh, just, and you never stay. feel as, and you yeah. never and you never feel as though you've got it quite right
0: no, you just have to. Yeah, you you do your best, and then and you
1: just see, change and go keep again. Keep an eye. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, we'll take it slightly back to um, my original questions, but I'm, I'm glad we got off onto that topic because that's a really interesting topic, yeah. um, especially to talk to you about. I'll take it back to the, the business side purely for the listeners looking perhaps for mm. business advice. Yeah, um, and. If you could go back to the start and I'll limit you here to one piece one piece of advice You're speaking to your past self Mm -hmm. and we'll take out being able to predict the future here Just Mm -hmm. a lesson you've learned perhaps you you get the, the one chance to say to your past
1: self. What would you say? I would say that persistence Pays uh, persistence. I've noticed, especially with now that we're in a more entrepreneurial um, climate in Scotland, that persistence is the thing that distinguishes the leaders from the followers. Um, you really do have to commit, and that's and go. That's motivation
0: that you just need to that's know, just,
1: and you just need to know that sometimes it's going to be awful.
0: Maybe you face a setback, but you yeah just and have to keep going. It's like that
1: old famous saying you know if you find yourself in hell we'll keep going till you get out (laughs) well i was going to ask
0: you your favorite quote but i think i've just got it (laughs)
1: Uh, um right that that was that's
0: um really interesting um i think we'll we'll wrap it up here but i've got one last question for you which is to ask you what the future holds for the borders distillery what are your future plans i guess watch the market but
1: yeah i think this is quite interesting in our industry so our behavior today is judged by people 10 or 15 years ahead of us so we are Trying to run our business on the basis that somebody will be having a look at our business in 15 years time when they buy one of our bottles So we are very heavily focused on the things that we think will matter in the future provenance circular economy uh fair work inclusiveness we just think these values will be what sells in 15 years time there's there's the product and there's the story
0: that comes with that product yeah where has it come from the origin almost
1: and what's your story behind it and we are deploying some quite sophisticated technology to be able to tell that story in 15 years time with complete truth and accuracy so while the whiskey develops the story develops yeah and then it all yeah. comes out and end. we have to be very focused on sustainability on um now the scotch whiskey industry has a relationship with the scottish government where there's a covenant on our environmental performance where we've all signed up the government has signed up we didn't require the force of legislation it's a consensual thing so we're terribly focused on all of that sort of stuff because the whole peer group is going in the same direction uh, we are um, very focused on uh, training and education of, of staff. Right. Uh, so we're slightly different in that we don't have tour guides. Our distillers no, do the guiding.
0: It, well, it's you if the group's lucky. If
1: I'm around. or but it's our distillers that do most of the guides. So every tour yeah. is a different experience. Every person in the business is is constantly evolving and changing.
0: But you know that that person knows they know probably far more than they're telling you. But it's because they because know because <laughs> they,
1: they because they could have been they could have been shutting down a couple of stills ten minutes before they come and get you to take you on a tour. I mean, so that so we're very heavily focused on the people side, and we think that is a value that will be relevant in ten or fifteen years' time
0: yeah i mean i've been on one of your tours uh actually hosted by yourself and i can tell you that a lot of the information uh went over my head but a lot of the information (laughs) was very interesting and i really liked the the way uh, and correct me if i'm wrong here you said you could just make the alcohol in many different ways and i see you've got the the vodka which i haven't tasted yet yeah but i tried the gin tried the whiskey
1: yeah yeah
0: i'm excited to see when the whiskey does eventually bear fruit the, the real stuff
1: <laughs> yes that's right and we and, and we we can't really see when that is um and we have i mean a good example i think is that we're building warehouses in hoick to mature our whiskey now there are plenty of rented warehouses around the place but they're quite far away so how do you explain in 15 years time that you've racked up a million food miles or road miles to mature your whiskey i mean just how do you explain that it that comes back to the story so that drives your behavior today yeah build the warehouses
0: right we'll we'll leave it there thank you very much john appreciate the time